Our scripture reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and he made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region in the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to me, he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And he went from there, and he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This, friends, is the word of God for us, the people of God. January of 1994. Let's take a journey together to January of 1994. Now, if you had a time machine, what would it look like? How would it work? Oh, and what would power it? Would it be powered by wind power or perhaps by imagination? What strange and timeless sounds would your time machine make? For some of you, when I ask this question, you may picture a very Victorian uh, steampunk, sort of out of a Jules Verne novel, image of a 10,000 leagues under the sea. That's a very classic time machine appearance. Others, when I ask you to picture a time machine, especially if you were around and ingrained in 1980s popular culture, you may imagine a DeLorean (laughs) fitted out in the style of Marty's car in Back to the Future. Any of you? Well, I am personally not a fan. In seminary, an outsized number of my colleagues were big fans of Doctor Who. If that's you, your time machine would resemble a British phone booth and be called a TARDIS. If you're a fan of the Narnia books, perhaps your time machine is a wardrobe in a British country home covered in cobwebs, ready to transport you to unimagined destinations. And if you're like my brother-in-law who likes cheesy comedies, maybe your time machine looks like a hot tub. (laughs) I don't always approve of his sense of comedy, but whatever your time machines look like, Please join me now in opening the hatch and entering it and set your navigation device to January 26th of 1994. I know it's scary. I know it's scary. Imagine the clothes and the haircuts we're going to have to wear again to fit in in 1994. Are you ready for the bold prints, the paisley, the Hawaiian shirts, the sports jerseys, the graphic tees, the leather jackets and velvet blazers? I see some of us never left 1994. (laughs) Are you ready? All right, let's practice. Let's do your time machine sounds. Let's practice once. 
All right. All right, ready, set, go. Initiating time travel. Welcome to January 1994. The sanctuary looks about the same, although I understand the organ wasn't here, right? Okay. The ink on President Clinton's new don't ask, don't tell policy regarding LGBTQ people in the military is barely dry and just went into law this January. The HIV AIDS pandemic continues without adequate public funding or attention. But in better news, Olympic diver Greg Luganis has just come out publicly causing quite a stir for being gay. Matthew Shepard is a senior in high school in Wyoming, and he just received this very week his acceptance letter to the University of Wyoming. His parents are elated. He has a very bright future. Ellen DeGeneres is still very much hiding her identity and in the closet, as, by the way, is Anderson Cooper and Rosie O'Donnell in 1994. Little Nas X, who by 2023 would be an important LGBTQ singer, won't even be born yet for another five years. I know this is when I even start feeling a little bit old. We are still nine years away from Lawrence versus Texas in 2003 that would officially end discrimination and criminalization for being gay in the United States. Only two years ago, in 1992, the residents of Colorado resoundingly passed Amendment 2 that made it illegal for any aspect of state government to recognize or protect LGBTQ people. In January of 1994, it will still be 10 and a half years before any state will allow same-sex marriages, Massachusetts, and it will take Connecticut another three years beyond that. It is January of 1994, and the world for LGBTQ people feels very different. Transgender people in 1994 are still so invisible to society, law enforcement, and public safety that we have no way to even say for certain how many people who were transgender were murdered that year. It is January of 1994. It feels less safe. It isn't safe. Most lesbian, bisexual, gay, and transgender people are attacked, killed, or even fired with impunity in many parts of this country. Hate crimes laws are just now being passed, and if they are, they're not really applied very well. When only the MCC and the UCC will ordain out LGBTQ ministers. But it doesn't matter, because even those who are ordained cannot find full-time calls anyway in any of the big, well-paying congregations. I've heard this many times from elders in the ordination track uh, in the LGBTQ community. Well, they heard a sure we'll ordain you, but we won't hire you. But I do have some good news. That pesky New Century hymnal, the black hymnal with all the funny Christmas songs, won't be published for a whole nother year. So we get one more normal Christmas in the UCC. So, bright spot of 94. Where were you? And more importantly, who were you? in 1994. I was a first grader and very enthusiastic about multiplication tables, dinosaurs, and little boxcar children books. I was an unaware little gay boy. I was unaware that the ancestors in ordination and in my work were doing so much to prepare a world for me to live and thrive in. 
Well, I read my books and learned my math skills and learned how to not get attacked on the playground during recess. Being different as a kid in 1994 wasn't much fun then either. There were adults who were thinking about my future. People going to court, organizing, protesting, drafting policy, writing new theologies, some right here at Yale and New Haven, and tirelessly self-improving and improving the world to make it better. Over the years, as an out gay minister offering sermons like this one, I either usually either in June during Pride Month, or I'm invited to do them uh, in January, because almost all UCC churches have their ONA anniversaries in January. Any guess why? Annual meetings. They're almost, almost all the ONA anniversaries are in January. But preaching these sermons, I remember one after June, uh, Pride Month in 2019, and I had just announced to that congregation that after five years I'd be leaving Colorado for a new call in a place called Connecticut. I remember every time you tell someone in Colorado you're moving to Connecticut, they repeat it back to you like they never heard it before. Connecticut. Yes, Connecticut. But I remember after that sermon, I got an email from one of my members, one of these individuals I always assumed was a progressive stalwart. And she told me something surprising that I would never forget. She confessed that she had been against and had voted against the ONA stance of the church in 1999 and had never really known an out LGBTQ person until me. She had found a way, though, over my years at that church as her minister to accept me as her pastor. But she wanted me to forgive her in writing for not supporting Open and Affirming in 1999 when that congregation passed it. She wanted me to forgive her 1999 self, sort of a confession in search of a queer absolution. I realized that almost a majority of my parishioners had perhaps grown into the allies I knew them as. Perhaps they voted to be ONA for peer pressure or for other reasons, not really realizing the depth of change it would mean for them as well as members of that church. Most in 1994 of you were probably not as open to LGBTQ people as you are today, if you're being honest with yourselves. And if not 1994, maybe 84 or 74 or 64, when a college roommate or a friend tried to tell you about themselves, and how did you reply in those early years? Many become allies by example. Imagine if we're being honest 1994 went different selves as well, right? So I want to say this is the reason that time travel isn't as popular of a destination as Florida, uh, especially in the winter, because it's hard work to meet our former selves, right? It is January of 1994, and the world is very different from today. Fairfield is different from today, and somehow Lowell Weicker is governor of Connecticut. The World Series is canceled because of an MLB strike, and the Dallas Cowboys beat the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl. Hero by Mariah Carey is at the top of the charts, but the world is dangerous and unwelcoming for LGBTQ people. But wait, wait, Are, in your time machines, can you hear that interception? Do you, do you hear that in these walls? 
In this sanctuary on January 26th of 1994, you would hear these out-of-time words spoken. An open and affirming policy statement. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. Psalm 133.1 We recognize that scripture calls us to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with God. Micah 6.8 We cherish our congregation's tradition of enlarging the community of faith by welcoming all those who come to worship God and to seek truth. We celebrate our covenant to labor for the progress of knowledge, the promotion of justice, and the reign of peace. We acknowledge that all too often some churches have sanctioned discrimination against and fostered the fear and hatred of many groups of people considered to be different, including our gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender brothers and sisters, causing them physical, emotional, and spiritual pain. Therefore, First Congregational of Fairfield, Connecticut, declares itself to be open to all for participation, membership, leadership, and employment, regardless of race, ancestry, class, gender identity, physical, mental ability, or sexual orientation, thereby providing a safe, physical, emotional, and spiritual haven. Talk about a place out of its time. We further declare ourselves to be affirming of each other as a child of God, celebrating the total identity of each person, including her or his ancestry, class, gender identity, physical, mental ability, and sexual orientation. And this is the great part. As a declared open and affirming congregation, we commit ourselves to the work ending ignorance, fear, hatred, prejudice, and discrimination against people considered to be different, including our lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender sister and brothers, we pray for God's help in this journey of faith. Amen. Amen. Adopted at the annual meeting on January 26th, 1994, what were you thinking? Time travel, although I don't necessarily, I think we can work on our sound effects. 1994, something different was happening here in Fairfield, and I understand from people leaving the first service that it wasn't an easy process. Many members left, but many hearts were changed. It is easy to forget in 2023 how very radical, early, bold, and important this congregation's vote in 1994 was. In 1994, our Episcopal neighbors across the street never imagined they would be hosting their minister's wedding to his husband in their sanctuary when our church did what it did. Even in the UCC, First Church Fairfield was very early, I want to say, in adopting this stance. And personally, as a young kid who was learning timetables and how to read, I had no idea I'd be here, I want to say thank you. You were those ancestors I didn't know. But our work is not yet done. You know, my day job is with ADL, and we're tracking hate and bias incidents. And in the last six months, the dramatic increase in targeting of LGBTQ spaces, both with violence, remember Colorado Springs, this past week, uh, attacking of 
another space, um, no one was in it luckily, in Orlando, but also online, a church in Connecticut is, is, is experiencing extreme hate directed at them for wanting to host um, a drag queen bingo event as a fundraiser for a mission trip. It's for this reason that ADL is partnering with GLAAD to track the scary increase in hate. So in some ways, 1994 doesn't really feel like time travel all the time, does it? But let's talk about the scripture today, because I think the scripture can help ground us in the work we have to do next. When we read the scripture together, we are performing the impossible. We are time travelers with Jesus, accompanied by the saints of light, the faith and the ancestors, the scholars of the past, but also accompanied by those yet to be born who will read this passage and also be transformed by it. We are time travelers with the story of Jesus to learn how to be community. This book, this Bible, friends, not a cabinet in a British country home or even a DeLorean, is our time machine. So let us time travel together to Matthew chapter 4. Our scripture passage today is about finding home and seeking out a safe place. From an LGBTQ, or we call a queer hermeneutic, a hermeneutic is the lens by which we all look at scripture or a text, what we bring with it, we see Jesus leaving home for a different and safer place as a mirror of the journeys that LGBTQ people, LGBTQ migrants and immigrants, and especially youth, have always had to make to find safety and welcome. Hermeneutic is just a fancy word for how we read the text. And personally, I bring a very rainbow vision to my reading of the Bible. We find the theme of sanctuary and seeking a place to make home in our passage today. But let me explain. Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 23 takes place sequentially right after the passage about Jesus' temptation on the mountaintop by the devil. Do you all know this passage? In the preceding verses, right leading into our text today, Jesus is brought on a whirlwind adventure all around the world, and he is offered all sorts of thrills and prizes. But there's a catch. If only he will give up what makes him special. If only Jesus will stop being unique and different, then he's tempted and said he can have it all. Sounds to me, through my lens, like the temptation of closet to LGBTQ ears. If only you don't live your full life and live up to your full wholeness that God has called you to, then society will give you all of these shiny objects This passage is really scary. It is more of a wild ride than any DeLorean ride taken by Marty and Dr. Brown in Back to the Future. And we often miss um, chapter 4, verse 11, the verse right before our reading today. And it's so important. I love in biblical scholarship to look for the overlooked verses because that's where the fun stuff usually is. Jesus encounters the devil and the strength it took him to stand in his authentic self To not be compelled to normalization is completely exhausting. Verse 11 reads, Then the devil left him, and 
angels came and waited on him. Jesus is so exhausted and perhaps burnt out that he needs divine help. We miss that important verse, Matthew 4, Matthew 4, 11. The work of being different in a world that wants us to conform to norms of power is extremely taxing on our bodies, our souls, and our psyches. But you don't have to do it alone. Even Jesus, after remaining true to himself, needs help. And then the text, I'm going to close by focusing on this little bit of the text from this morning. They're often overlooked, and I think they're so important. The text continues with our reading for today, starting with Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Now when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. And remember that John has just baptized Jesus in chapter 3. And he left Nazareth and he made his home. And the Greek word for making a home is katoikeo. You say it with me? Katoikeo. Which means to settle or dwell or live in. Capernaum by the sea. These two overlooked verses of Matthew hold deep theological meaning for anyone looking to find belonging and a place of home in the church and in the world. Jesus, fearing for his life because his peer and his fellow rule breaker, John the Baptist, has been arrested, by the way, soon to die, must leave his home, must leave his home, and find a new katoikeo. Now, our hermeneutic here in Fairfield, Connecticut, the lens by which we read this text, means that we miss something really, really, really important when we read it. Okay, Jesus left home and he picked a new town to live in. No big deal, right? A lot of the kids here in Fairfield graduate, go off to college, then maybe they move to New York or Boston, Chicago to pursue their dreams. Some come back to Fairfield. I'm not dissuading that dream for those of you who are still hoping your kids will come back to Fairfield. They may. (laughs) But in our lens, reading this as Fairfieldians, Connecticans, we miss how scary and dangerous this is. This is highly, highly, highly unusual in Jesus' culture and incredibly perilous and dangerous. You only would leave home and live somewhere else if you absolutely had to. This is leaving your tribe, leaving your family, leaving everything. So we know Jesus isn't doing this by willing choice. Jesus, after the arrest and eventual death of John the Baptist, flees home and finds a new place to call home, a refugee of sorts. This is a story when read in context that sounds all too familiar for those of us in the LGBT community. For generations, even before we were allowed to record our stories, seeking safety and community have, and being forced from home places of katakeo, getting on buses to unknown cities we've heard might be safe states away. New York, San Francisco, Denver, Miami, P-Town, Chicago. Certainly some of this today is by choice or professional pursuit. But yes, today, even, and especially for young people, it is for survival. This is what our Bible time machine is pointing at to us today. Jesus is in solidarity with the 28% of LGBTQ people who say they experienced homelessness as youth. From one study. 
That is a high number. God understands what it means to have to flee home and start over in a new place out of survival because of standing in authenticity. Jesus rejects earlier in chapter 4 the temptation to lay low, accept the status quo, and just accept power and possessions, metaphorically, the closet. He rejects the closet in exchange for a life of purpose he is called to. He recovers by angelic help, and then he must run. Run and find a new home by the sea. Or was it the sound? Since 1994, First Church, you have boldly chosen to be a Capernaum by Long Island Sound. You have boldly chosen to live by the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, story of Jesus escaping with his life and his authentic purpose intact. Weekly, and I love this, every Sunday we are time travelers together, exploring ancient lands and stories. This sanctuary clad in Tiffany windows is our very attractive time machine. The Bible, our navigation device, and the Reverend Vanessa Rose, our captain. We have chosen since 1994 to be people who are willing to live outside the norms and the normal of the day and to aspire for those people we picture being those first graders who don't even know what they need yet. We are the ancestors now for a better, greater, and more welcoming world. To be honest, reading it, our statement, our ONA statement that I read earlier probably needs another update. But everything from 1994 needs an update, except, of course, for Madonna, the Pet Shop Boys, and Leather Jackets. Those, we can agree, are classic. (laughs) But for the most part, on this ONA anniversary, we can declare this a place of katoikeo, a place of homemaking for all people. We are First Church of Capernaum on Long Island Sound, a people, time travelers all, of the Spirit of God. Beep, 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 beep. A dispatch from January of 1994. As he declared, open and affirming congregation, we commit ourselves to work to end ignorance, fear, hatred, prejudice, and discrimination against people considered to be different including our lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender sisters and brothers. We pray for God's help in this time travel journey. Amen.